Welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Nick. And I'm Kurt. And this is our review of Anaconda, starring Jennifer Lopez, a.k.a. J-Lo, Ice Cube, (laughs) a.k.a. Are We There Yet, John Voight, Owen Wilson, a.k.a. I Don't Want to Live, Kari Burr, and Eric Stoltz, a.k.a. I Was in Back to the Future for Five Minutes. And this is directed by Louis Laosa, I guess, and released in 1997 on a budget of $45 million, and it grossed $136 million and spawned three sequels, one with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> that, that condemns this movie forever. <laughs> Yeah, I think we know what we're doing next now. I think that'd be really good. I gotta find a German guy though. We gotta get a German guy in here to do this because he's gonna just love the movie. What I want to do is just review movies that are just bad. They're just so bad they could actually make you go insane if you had to watch them back to back. So that's kind of the whole, uh, the whole the whole motto of this show. So like if Kurt and I and you know Jay or whoever was doing like the Dark Knight, it would just honestly just be a circle jerk of just like how much everybody loves the movie and. To me, that's just boring. You know, it's like it's fun to interject a little bit of humor into these and funny to like, you know, kind of rip on these movies and do like, you know, on the spot rewrites and just just rip on them. And that's kind of kind of like a mystery science theater 3000 type thing. Just instead of doing commentary during the movie, we're just going to kind of just bash it as we go along and just have fun with it. It's a less serious take on it. Now, I get you want to review really bad movies, Nick, but why Anaconda? Did you start with A? I did start with A. I was going through a bunch of movies that were uh, so great that they were so bad that they were so great that they were so bad. It just it goes back and forth. <laughs> so I decided to pick Anaconda. I figured, you know, it's it's kind of got like a double A thing going on there because it's Anaconda and Jennifer Lopez's giant ass. So, <laughs> Which is bigger, the the Jenny from the Blocks Bootang or the mouth of that uh, stock puppet Anaconda? Uh, the coin I don't. It is a coin toss there. I don't know. They're both pretty wide, and they uh, both uh, ex- uh, have a lot of uh, stuff coming out of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> If only Ice Cube's son could have made an appearance in this film as well, but oh well. So Straight out of Jennifer Lopez's ass. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the third act for sure, but we'll get there. Anyway, so I'm just going to give a plot summary now. So Terry Flores is a documentary filmmaker on assignment to, a, to direct a feature on a group of natives in the Amazon known as the People of the Mists. As Terry and her crew, cameraman Danny, sound guy Gary, anthropologist Steve, production manager Denise, and voice talent Warren head down the river, they discover a man whose boat has sunk and desperately needs rescue. <laughs> the man, Paul Sorrell, played by uh, John Voight. Academy Award winner, John Voight, I want to say. Yeah, yeah lo- lo- the Baron driving John Voight. <laughs> This man, played by John Voight, claims to know something about the tribe and says he'll take the crew to them. Instead, he guides the group to the hiding place of the fearsome anaconda, a gigantic snake that can swallow a man whole. (laughs) A snake is worth a fortune if captured, he explains, but Terry, Steve, and Danny are convinced. After Steve is injured, the crew are pursued and taken out one by one by the giant snake. Sounds like my honeymoon. Uh, (laughs) 
Sarone uses Terry and Danny as bait for the creature, but they turn the tables on him and the snake eats Sarone. Danny and Terry eventually kill the creature, and along with a recovered Steve, they discover the mysterious tribe, and I think are eaten by the end. I think that's like one of the alternate endings is that they find this tribe and then they just kill them. So, anyways, that 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 is Anaconda. And uh, okay, I got a question right out of the gate. Can I a little background on this? Yeah, go for it. Can, can, I, can I just ask something real quick? Because I, I don't know, I'm skipping way ahead to the end, but I just got to ask you guys this right now: Is there more than one snake that's chasing these people? <laughs> in this movie because it would appear that there there is but i want to know just we'll get to it i know in detail later but i just want to know what do you think is there more than one anaconda or is it just one anaconda i i think it's just the one i think if you made this movie today i mean you you have some more snakes because that was one thing that came to mind was the snake it's not that big like compared to just like other movie monsters and stuff i just realized like it's not that big. Like it wouldn't cause that much of a problem, in in my opinion. Looking at it, it's like, it, it, as far as movie monsters go, it's it's just flat out not that scary or intimidating compared to say, you know, the how big the shark is in Jaws or say King Kong or, or what have you. Like it's really just a normal anaconda snake, which has some very bizarre, you know, uh, athletic ability. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's on it's on crack. <laughs> at, 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 at times it has like athletic ability it's when it's cgi it has athletic ability when it's going to like a practical he just kind of like wavers back and forth it's, you know it's just an like, animatronic it's like a, yeah you can... yeah yeah it's like if you go to like universal studios like you know way back in like the 90s like you go on like one of the rides like that's like something that would be there it'd be like Oh, yep. here it is poking out of you, and it goes back and forth, and then goes away. Actually, know? I think it, they hired the people from the Universal rides and <laughs> to run the animatronics in this thing. That's a level of production values that go into yeah. it, this yeah, movie, guys. They spent forty-five million dollars on this movie, Man. and it made one hundred and thirty-six. And I am sad to say I am at least seven dollars of that because I saw this fucking thing in theaters when it opened. <laughs> Drug my girlfriend in college to it. <laughs> and Did you say drugged or dragged? <laughs> because you could go with either or right there. I I, I remember distinctly the look of scorn I got from her throughout the entire production of this. And only to be topped by sometime later when this came on television and my dad, you know, who likes John Voight for a lot of his 60s and 70s work, hmm. said, ooh, I think I want to watch this. And then when they get to a certain point in the film, said, ah, oh, this is bullshit. And that, that was it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I have, I am sad to say that I, I've done this, but I actually own this film on VHS. And that's what I watched for this review. Hmm. I went and dug the tape up. Wow, you still got to work in VCR? I, st- <laughs> I yeah, I'm me and the guys from Red Letter Media, like the only ones, and and the woman from Forty Year Old Virgin, apparently. But yeah, so well, she got a combo player. <laughs> I, I, do, I have the combo player. Yeah, that's me. So. Well, <laughs> me, you're, you're you're the like the only you like you're the guy that they save like those two at Target for. <laughs> exactly. Somebody's gonna buy these one day. We're not taking them off the shelf. There's the J pin. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they they also have a. Uh, a stockpile of very bad horror movies that I apparently am the only one that buys. But you know. well, I uh, my memory of this movie starts, uh, you know, would have been around, yeah, you, know, uh, you know, probably January '97. Saw it in the trailer for some other movie, and in '97, the '90s was a an odd decade for uh, for horror movies. They were really they were making a lot of them, probably, and they they, they just they all had the same similar kind of quality. Like there weren't really too many great horror films in the 90s they were kind of all 
most of them were on par with something like Anaconda. And this is a movie that's like I saw a lot of TV spots for, and this like this, you know that's the kind of movie this is. This is a movie that you just see a TV spot for, and I, clearly TV spots of just pictures of you know Jennifer Lopez, Carrie Wurr, and a snake was enough that I, this movie was not just a hit, like a very very big hit, 136 million dollars and a 45 million dollar budget. I mean, I I just budgets uh, they just don't make sense to me sometimes. Something like. This movie costs forty-five million bucks and has some of the shittiest effects I've ever seen. <laughs> and a movie like District Nine, which has some of the best effects I've ever seen, costs thirty million dollars. And so I just don't know where the money goes in a movie like Anaconda. Clearly, John Voight got a massive chunk of that because, man, I watch the, his performance in this movie. <laughs> uh, John Voight. Anyone who has not seen the films uh, Midnight Cowboy, Catch Twenty Two. Uh, Deliverance and Coming Home, which you won an Academy Award for, deservedly so. It's an amazing performance. He is uh, on par with the great 70s actors, like the, the 70s actors in their prime, De Niro, Pacino, Christopher Walken, and so on. And he's an amazing actor. And he just reached that point. He became almost like a, a Michael Caine saying yes to everything, hoping one of these <laughs> movies is good. He's in like Mission Impossible. He's in, uh, and he's in this. And it's clearly he took the job because it's a nice vacation away down in South America, I guess. Must have been a you know, good golf course somewhere near there. And he just gets to hang around and scowl for the entire movie. His express, I mean, I just hope he had fun, as much fun as it looks. Sure. The, the thing about his performance that has just never left me, and I can remember sitting in the theater watching John Voight come on the screen, is that accent. It's he's where's he supposed to be from? He sounds like he's Cajun, but he's supposed to be South American. Nick, what does he say he's from? <laughs> I don't know. Where, where did he say he was from? You mentioned it before. He, it was, uh, he says Uruguay or something. It's, yeah, it's one line. He only says it once because the audience, he does, the filmmaker doesn't want the audience to think about it too much. So yeah, from uh, Paraguay anyway. Uh, and yeah, he's supposed to be from Paraguay. And it just, it just struck at me as, as wrong. I mean, I'm looking up, uh, can't remember where, where, where John Voigt is, uh, He's from yeah, he's from Yonkers, New York, uh, and he just the last thing he resembles is a is a, a South American. He doesn't even have any kind of tan, he doesn't even have a tan. Yeah, I was gonna say he's a blonde, like he's like Mister Aryan poster boy. Is what I always yeah. remember him from in the seventies. That's what he looked like at least. He's older now and he's a little more grizzled and stuff. But sheesh, I mean, it's like they put him in a tanning bed for two weeks, gave him a I don't know if that's like a bad extension or something with that ponytail bit, and and told him just kind of look like you you just had a really painful crap. <laughs> you know, and took it to say your mother, you you know, do it like a Brando, but if he was high and from South America and you, you okay. hunt snakes. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, I think I think they just gave him a copy of Scarface and just said, just watch this every morning. Yes. That was it. It is the Scarface accent. Like, You're like right. literally look at Al Pacino in any scene in Scarface, the way his jaw kind of juts forward and look at uh, at John Voight in this. I guess that's the key to doing a an accent uh, south of the border is just to jut your jaw out and scowl, and I guess you're supposed to sound South American. But man, he's uh, he's pretty pretty rough. Yeah, he's bad. Well, you know what though? Look at the cast, y'all. Like seriously, okay. I mean, the, Jennifer Lopez at the time was a big up and comer. Okay, yeah. Ice Cube, N.W.A., one of the coolest rappers of all time, Mr. Coolest. Before he started doing all that family stuff, you know. I mean, he he was in you know Boys in the Hood, and he was he was a hardcore. Three Kings. You know? Yes, exactly. I mean, this this is when he was really taking off as an actor. Owen Wilson was like new at this point, 
Kari Wurr was, you know, the the holdover from the eighties and stuff. You, Nick, you remember her? We we saw one of her Hellraiser uh, moments a while back, and then you know Eric Stoltz, the guy that was in Back to the Future for five minutes. So, yeah. and I mean, it, he, he was in the movie with the head thing, right, where he was like deformed. He was in yeah, Mask, Mask, yes, with Cher, yes, and Sam Elliott. <laughs> So, a much better performance, I might add. So, um, but and of course, uh, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, but I mean, you look at that and you're like, okay, you know, there's not like, I mean, John Voight's a huge star, but you've got like young up and comers. This is an exciting cast to put in this movie, and not to mention, it's written by two of the guys that wrote freaking Top Gun, one of the greatest action movies of the '80s. So it's, I mean, on paper, it it looks like, wow, this is amazing. But in the, theaters, it, it so is not. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's definitely the thing. Is on paper, this movie looks fun. Now, the credit that really stands out for me is the, the director of photography is Bill Butler, who uh, is still with us. He's 93 years old, old school uh, cinematographer, part of that new Hollywood generation. He shot uh, the Rocky sequels, The Conversation, nominee for an Oscar for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And he shot, and he shot Jaws. So this is a master cinematographer and they brought him on to make another movie about a monster and a bunch of guys on a boat thinking that that's all you need is just and, well we got a we got a and, we got and, the boat in which one of the old grizzled people on the boat fishes the monster out of the river with a dead monkey at that moment did he sit back and just go oh god this is the bastardization of everything i've ever worked for because so, that is one of the words that is the part where my father said bullshit and walked away <laughs> like that that moment in the film so, i don't know the bit what was it when he, when, when he was hunting with it or when the snake spit it out at the cat? when the snake <laughs> well when he came up out of the water with it he's like oh that's bullshit and then when he spit it at him he's like that's yeah, i'm done <laughs> so <laughs> he walked away <laughs> See, the thing with this movie is me and me and jay we did uh tremors like you know and the thing is, when Trimmers, when they made Trimmers, they knew the type of movie they were making. Yeah. They were making a 70s style, you know, giant monster movie, but they were going to have fun with it. And everybody on the cast was having fun with it. This, I really think everybody minus Voight hmm. was thinking they were making a serious movie. Oh, I, I will. I will take it. I think Ice Cube knew he was making a piece of shit, and he just decided I'm just going to be hard, like I've been in all my videos, because <laughs> that that is exactly what he plays it like. No, I don't disagree with you though. I think everybody else thought they were making this, you know, serious. Like the drama that J Lo tries to lay out that she would be into a dude like Eric Stoltz, <laughs> you know, is is some of the worst acting in the film. You know, when you, when you see Eric Stoltz for the first time, you're thinking like he's got to be the bad guy, right? You know, it's like. You don't have a guy with red hair and have him not be the bad guy. I mean, you got you know you know what I'm saying? The ginger is the bad guy in every movie. Yeah, you don't he, have soul. But he's so like it's bare, gotta be the bad guy. But he's like barely in it. He's in the beginning of it and he's in the very end of it, basically. Because he gets yeah. taken out by I guess Sarone like sticks some kind of bug down his snorkel and he chokes on it and he has to give him a tracheotomy on the boat. Which by the way, on that boat, on that deck, there's some infection setting in. That man's gonna die. <laughs> that would not why 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 did he do that to him anyways? Like what was the reasoning behind it? Like because he was the leader and he wanted to like kind of like take over control. Was that why? I, I think I yeah, this so guy Cerrone. I, I don't think Cerrone realized how we, you know, much a bunch of pushovers these this crew of the ship is anyway. He didn't have to go that far. He could have just, you know, take the gun right out of Eric Stoltz's hand and took it over the crew that way. Because sticking a 
uh, a poisonous wasp into a scuba tank in such a way that is one of the most elaborate assassinations <laughs> in movie history. That oh, that beats the the, the elaborate nature of uh, Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> Or or what have you? Like, well, I, hell, that's I, like right up there with the Manchurian Candidate, almost. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, there are easier ways to kill somebody in the Amazon. Even he says it. Yeah, like maybe just like sabotage the tank. Or yeah, something. Like, what, what does he say to this river? Kill you a thousand ways, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> well, man, yeah, and you just came up with the one way that obviously is not by the river. So and so, I mean, that's the thing to me is that it takes everybody else. 45 minutes to realize you did that to, you know, Kale. And I was like, y'all didn't realize that immediately. <laughs> so that's, that's the reason he took over this crew. They're all incredibly dumb or, yeah. or they're high. And I'm not too certain that Owen Wilson wasn't either actually really high or playing his character as if he was high the entire time. <laughs> he was high. He definitely was when he was making this movie. I think he and Ice Cube were rolling some blunts and, <laughs> you know, just going along with the flow. <laughs> probably but that's the thing it's like you get this movie and i imagine like watching tremors if like the first guy that we see like get injured or get killed was done by like a pack of coyotes you're like i'm not here to see that yeah i'm here to see the goddamn trimmer you're here to see the anaconda and they're having this guy get taken out with a bee his the re for him surviving the movie in the end it actually has no bearing on the plot whatsoever so again why not just kill him right away yeah, he shows up at one time to help knock Cerrone out, uh, you know, and then like falls down again. And and then he's awake at the end after Ice Cube and J-Lo have killed the, what I will argue is actually multiple snakes. We'll get there. But, but I, where they've killed snake number two. But anyway, so I, I, I don't know why he's there either. I mean, again, unless he's supposed to be the expert. Do you know what his job is, guys? He's an anthropologist. He's supposed to be freaking Indiana Jones. And yeah. he, he gets taken out in this movie so fast. He's got the he's got the the uh, the khaki vest. He should be you know pretty uh, uh, nifty in the jungle, but he's he he's taken out very easily. And I I can't believe this is this guy is some kind of Superman. How he survives the tracheotomy and survives uh, John Voight shoving his thumb into the the tracheotomy again, and blood is gushing out once more, uh, reopening the wound. And I, I I don't know how he survives, and and some of these other characters die. It's just. Eric Stoltz well, how does he role? not get an infection in his neck? I mean, yeah. I go outside and I'm working on something. I get a sliver. I get an infection or <laughs> that sliver went into. He had a dirty knife cut open his freaking yeah. neck. And then what? Like a pen? A on pen a, that was in his a, pocket? On a boat where, you know, tons of dead fish have been slaughtered on its, on its you know, uh, top and gasoline poured. Every, you know, it's not exactly the most uh, sanitary situation. And plus, it's ice cubes like pocket knife. I mean, it's not like he you know, he had like a sterile thing. He grabbed it and cut his throat open. And well, that's the whole throat. thing. They they probably like actually had for the movie like John Voight's character probably had like a flask on him that he was going to disinfect it with. But he, he but he probably drank all the booze before <laughs> even that scene. So was like, just I think this this movie needed to end, end right before they cut to crash with a quick flash of text across the screen. Doctor Kale did not return to uh, the United States. <laughs> Yeah, and well, I'm with I'm with Nick. I like his ending where the uh, the Shirashama or whatever just ate these people, <laughs> you know. So, guys, they might as well have. So, because I don't know what they thought they were going to do. The primitives are going to take care of it. So, never mind. They don't. We don't speak their language, and they don't speak ours, and they have no idea why the f we just blew that shit up down the river. But you know, okay. So, I yeah. Um. Well, we'll get to the ending, but yeah, the the setup of this is is very. 
odd. I, I got a kick, though, out of the idea of we're playing it off as if Jennifer Lopez is a USC film grad. So you know, she's you, Kurt. She graduates. <laughs> she's, she's a film person. And Ice Cube is her cameraman. That's that is what is funny. And Owen Wilson is the obligatory sound guy. And I, I don't know. I just I, I thought this little group was was funny. At least I, I got a kick out of them because none of these people are cast in the right parts. Yeah. So. No, they totally aren't. And you can just totally tell they're just like <laughs> thinking they're like so modern that we're going to have a complete like melting pot of different ethnicities here and stuff because like you got you got the the british guy you got the black dude you got the uh hispanic girl you got the white girl you got like the surfer stoner guy and then yeah. of course you got john void who's like every character you know? <laughs> well you've got you we hadn't talked about the british guy they hire this voice talent guy jonathan hyde uh, whom i don't know from anything else i understand he's, he's jumanji a- jumanji Is and that, titanic yeah? Okay, I knew I'd seen the face. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I knew I'd seen the face before, but he is supposed to be the voice of the um thing. And like my thing about that is, when the hell is the voice guy ever taken along for the ride? Like <laughs> <coughs> the dude that voiceovers how it's made or MythBusters <laughs> is never in the the place where they're doing that shit. He's in a sound booth somewhere. Oh yeah, so. like like uh, he's clearly. I guess supposed to be based on I guess I guess it's uh, David Attenborough the you know the uh, the BBC yeah. documentarian. However, the actual like David Attenborough guy is actually himself like like, like an anthropologist who is not the character Jonathan Hyde is, who's just a clearly an actor who you know always he's carrying a, uh, some a case of Bordeaux uh, whatever it was champagne or very expensive wine just so in one line we can throw away oh this is a prissy British guy who's not going to come in handy at all. Yeah, uh, he's like he's like a C three PO kind of character. That's what he is. That's uh, it's all he does. All he's good with is his uh, is his voice. And yeah, uh, he's he's more like Jar Jar actually, and, <laughs> and in terms of his usefulness, just is the way I see. And like they, the only thing he does is they have him playing golf on the end of that boat, just so they can set up later that he hits somebody in the back of the head with the golf club. And then <laughs> the way he dies, you talk about acrobatics. Like he's yeah. falling off a waterfall, and the snake in like super speed catches him before he falls to the the bottom (laughs) and wraps him up. And I remember that in the trailer going, Oh shit, that looks awesome. And then when you see it in the movie, you're like, Oh shit, that is so stupid. (laughs) Like I, I, the the laws of gravity don't, don't work in this movie when it comes to the anaconda. No, (laughs) I mean like, like when, you know, the thing about jaws that made the jaws shark work is nobody really knew anything about sharks at the time. I mean, they kind of did, but they really (laughs) didn't. Like they just been able to film them, you know, in recent years, they didn't really know what a shark would do. So the idea of one jumping on a boat and crashing it, like they, they had no idea that they could actually do that nor how they would do it. It was just part of the story. Well, in the nineties, we know a hell of a lot about snakes. Turn on the national geographic channel and you've got like everything about them. And anacondas are pretty, I mean, they get big and they're very strong and they can eat a horse and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? They're not, they're not fast in any remote sense of the word. They are not fast snakes. And to play them off like they're freaking Sidewinder Rattlers or something <laughs> is is amazing to me. Well, I think what's even more amazing, though, is how they can move after they get done eating a freaking person. Yeah. Because, you know, like after a snake gets done eating, they're, they, they are more mobile than before. <laughs> are you talking about after he eats Owen Wilson and then like he's, they get that pan shot where he swims through the water and you see the outline of Owen Wilson in his stomach? <laughs> Yeah, like well, about any time after it gets done eating a person. I mean, with a snake, I mean, it has a big meal. It's set for a week. Yeah. 
but this thing's like set for like seven minutes. It's like, okay, I need more food. It's, it's like the, it is kind of like the jaws shark, but like you're saying though, we are more well aware of what their eating patterns and life is like. Well, of course you're, you're forgetting Nick that this movie has the opening crawl describing the <laughs> behavior of the anaconda and the ending with, and they will regurgitate their prey in order to eat and kill again. So this shark. So they're so, bulimic. That's I, what they're they're bulimic. I want to know what yes. bullshit person wrote that or where they got that from. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, even in 1997, I was not a science major in college, but even I knew I was like, oh, that's that's bullshit. So, and, uh, and I thought, well, okay, you talk about heavy handedness of like, well, I'm waiting to see who gets regurgitated. Like, and every time somebody gets eaten, I'm like, is it going to be Danny Trejo? Is it going to be Owen Wilson? Is it going to be Kari Wurr? Is it? I mean, who's going to get regurgitated? And it ultimately is John Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> and like you were saying how the monkey was the moment where, you know, your dad was like, that's it. I'm done. When I was watching this movie last night and the imprint of Owen Wilson is 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 sticking out of the guy's out of the snake's stomach. Had I been watching this movie in the theater in ninety seven, that's the moment where I walk I, I stand up, I walk over to the kiosk and I say, I'd like my money back, please. I'm gonna go watch Star Trek First Contact again or something else. So do something else the rest of my day because that well, was apparently the snake doesn't have any bones in him. No. <laughs> like... He's just a big tube. You know, so, well, yeah. you do see you do see the inside of its mouth though later when he's swallowing oh. John Voight. Oh yeah, like, they, they thought they were so clever with that shot. Like, what if we do a scene where he's eating a guy and we see him from inside the throat? <laughs> That'll be like freaky, man. <laughs> Best thing ever, man. Greatest, greatest <laughs> shot ever. It's gonna be Oscar. High, high five, man. Fuck Top Gun. We're beating that shit now. I'm sure that's what these guys were thinking. Or they were going, "How big's that check again? They're really gonna pay us for this? Oh hell yeah, man. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they said that until Craft Services showed up, and it sure looked like Ice Cube ate most of it. <laughs> Well, we'll get to Cube. They shouldn't call him Ice Cube in this movie, man. They should call him like Ice Cream Cake or something. <laughs> it was it was definitely in his rounder phase. I will say that. I, this is around the time of like higher learning and some of the other things he was doing. Well, I think maybe what happened after this movie is like he lost a lot of weight, and I think what happened is like J Lo like or I think like he like. <laughs> pulled an anaconda and like he must have regurgitated his fat and j-lo put it in her ass <laughs> well i don't know that you know the, that the snake could actually have swallowed her because you get a couple good shots of it in here and i was like see that's nothing new people she's had that forever go watch the cell sometime which is a weird <laughs> fucking movie and that made me need to make your asylum listening because i'd love to hear you try to explain that what that is but you know i don't think the snake could have swallowed her hips <laughs> I think it would have killed itself, and it would have choked to death doing that. See, See that's movie, what they should have done. That would have been that would have been great if it would have tried to eat her, and it couldn't get around her ass. I wanted Ice Cube because he was doing his NWA gangsta, you know, language the whole time to actually do like the gangsta lean gunshot on the snake. You know, he doesn't even pick up a gun; he has a knife the whole time. I'm like, this guy would not be carrying a knife. This dude would be packing a Glock. Like, this is that is that's a totally wrong character moment. Again, it's the wrong guy cast in that spot it is so yeah i should have been a mexican <laughs> well i don't know they i get why they put him there but he's just he's pointless until you but i'll tell you what he's real good with an axe <laughs> you know? oh, he's terrible he keeps on he misses the snake a bunch of times <laughs> <laughs> that snake takes a lick and he keeps on ticking it's the timex snake so uh yeah this the the whole setup is is amazing. So Sarong is is all about trying to catch this one of these big anacondas is what's happening. Why? 
Because it's worth, it's worth millions of dollars, Gary. According to who? Who's <laughs> going to pay you according for According to him. Panda? Where are you going to put that thing? In a zoo? Oh, yeah, just ate an eight-year-old. There we go. That's <laughs> yeah. smart. Where are you going to – what would you do with it? Yeah, I know. I know. It's – it's uh, I, again, I, I was like, well, that is pretty thin right there. Like, because, you know, nowadays, like, you know, you can't just donate animals to zoos. Not even in the 90s, they wouldn't let you do that shit. They're like, how did See, you that would have been great if you would have got away with it and, like, he showed up at the end like, I, I got <laughs> – I got I got the anaconda and they're like we don't freaking want that thing oh yeah customs like, just puts a halt on everything yeah it's a big one. it's a it's it's so weird but that's the whole plan right and so he is disrupting the documentary filmmaking which basically goes to hell the minute the anthropologist goes down with the wasp thing, right? So, and then he, he goes about, like, again, resetting their path. So he takes out the doctor so that he can get him to go the way he wants him to go down the river, right? And then he blows up a dam that did the mist tribe build that to keep the snakes out? Something uh, like that. Yeah. So why, why, why did they bring him with them, though? Well, because they rescued him off the boat. That was the first thing. His boat was the sinking thing, right? And then he just was along for the ride because he said, "Oh, I know this river, you know." And they're like, "Oh, that that would be useful." So, but so apparently, they're gonna trust the, they're apparently gonna tr- it's set up though because him and Mateo and Danny Trace, who's yeah. hitchhiking on the Amazon River, <laughs> it, it is that sounds like, like a really smart idea. It would be like if the people in the van in Texas Chainsaw Massacre wanted the hitchhiker to stay with them and go check out Grandpa's place. Even after he had cut Franklin's arm up, you know, like, oh, you just hang out, bro. You know, <laughs> like it would be the same basic idea. So I don't know. I, I really don't know why he's alone for the ride. What I've always taken it as is that this is you talk about you know, the elaborate assassination attempt, Kurt. This is the most elaborate like ruse to get a snake I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like Danny Trejo, Mateo and Sarone are all in on this together. And Sarone acts like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go pick up Treo and then you, you come and rescue our boat because our boat's a piece of crap and you get the better boat and we'll just hitch around with all these people and more people means better bait for the snake. (laughs) And then somewhere along the way he realizes, okay, well, my boat actually did get stuck in the rain. And so they rescue him, they get their Treo's dead, but he and Mateo are like in cahoots the whole time. That's, that's what I took it as is that this is all a setup from him. Which makes this the dumbest heist movie of all time. Yeah. What you were saying about comparing this movie, uh, you were talking about Tremors, how that movie had a had an attitude of uh, of winking at the camera, like like like, like everyone on everyone in that movie is like, okay, look, we know what kind of movie we're in, like Lake Placid, like Betty White's performance in Lake Placid, like that tells you, okay, look, this is not a straight horror film, uh, and that's my biggest problem with this movie is that John Voight. Is the only one in this? You said it. Is the only one in this movie who knows what movie he's in and is acting accordingly. Uh, the problem is two things. One, I don't think John Voight's his version of campy, over-the-top horror acting is very good. <laughs> like he's no he's no Nicholson in The Shining in terms of going over the top. He just comes across as a crap uh, <laughs> villain actor with a bad accent, which really killed. That just first words out of his mouth. His acting level starts at a three out of ten. So he just and it just goes you know down from there and the rest of the cast really do think and i'm convinced that no one sets out to make a movie like this thinking oh this is you know what this is going to be this is going to be a cult hit that's kind of like so bad it's good and people are going to laugh with the movie and laugh at it and so on no every this movie they the producers of this movie they were trying to make the next jaws they were trying to make the jaws with snakes Uh, that's what the, the attempt was in this movie and just they 
and it just failed because this movie is just not fun. There's this, it's not, the jokes aren't funny. There's only one moment that is like, if the whole movie had the attitude of this moment, this might be a great film. Anyone who's seen this movie, I guarantee this is one of the one or two scenes that stands out is when John Voight is engulfed by the snake. Everything about that scene of the snake, of him being engulfed by the snake is very B movie, almost like with a tone of like something like creep show, that like funny <laughs> kind of gory horror. And when he's vomited out and he's literally vomited out and he's on his knees for a second, one when his eyes is gone and he looks at Jennifer Lopez and literally winks at her. Uh, <laughs> That is that moment is yes. not just good. That is an outstanding moment, in my opinion. That is a great monster movie moment, and that is hilarious. That and I think John Voight knew exactly what movie he was in when he did that. The problem is that just the re- there's none of that in the rest of the movie. It's just so straight and so on. Like like Saran is like a really shitty version of Quint from Jaws, <laughs> combined with Qu- this you know Qu- elaborate- Quint, Quint and uh, and Tony Montana apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah, I, th- I was waiting for like him to actually have like a little monologue where he's going to sit around and tell everybody on the boat that like, you know, thirty years, twenty years ago he was on a boat and it all crashed and they were all picked off by snakes one by one. You know, kind of do like his whole like, eleven hundred Indi- Indianapolis story. Eleven hundred yeah. men went in the water. Snakes took the rest. <laughs> well, he does that one thing where he's like, "Go, snake can't eat people," eh? and he's pointing at like that weird scar on his face. Eh, yeah, you know. And I was like, "Well, tell us that story, man. Come on." Well, the thing is, like, well, it didn't eat you. You yeah. just proved the point. Yeah, <laughs> it just bit your face off and gave yeah. you a really weird lisp. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, you know, if we were to try to rewrite this and actually make it work, what you got to do is see, you got to have a director that can tell everybody else, you see what he's doing? All y'all got to do that. <laughs> you got to act like, go watch some really bad 70s movies. Here, look, I'm going to just give you a stack of them and just go watch these things and then come back and do that because then this will be funny and we'll have fun with it we'll play it so fucking serious like, <laughs> yeah but I think everybody, else, everybody else in this movie plays it dead straight and that's the problem yeah and i think the director was too i can totally see that wink just being like john void at the end when they get got done filming it he's just like no i'm gonna wink you know, like, no, we, we, we need to, like, have you get regurgitated because we got the we got the, the text at the beginning of the movie that's going to explain this. It's a setup. It's a setup. And he's going to go, I'm going to wink. And they're like, just probably like, fine, just let him wink. You know, that's what he wants I, to do. I, I bet he didn't even say anything. I bet he was like, he probably told Jennifer Lopez, I just want you to look at me. I know it's going to be really gross for a second. Just look at me because I'm going to do something. And she was like, oh, shit, that was weird. <laughs> I, it is the funniest moment in the movie. It's laugh out loud. Um uh, Anytime I've rewatched this, I, it, until this review, it's always been with a group of people where it, the it purpose was to sit and make fun of it together. Yeah. I mean, you know, mystery science theater, like you, like you say, uh, Nick. So, because that's the only way this can be consumed. I mean, this is not as a horror fan and a monster movie fan. There's nothing here to hang on to. Uh, this is like how to do it wrong <laughs> in every possible step of the way. Well, the whole thing too is like even get like. Your whole whole reason you're going to this movie is you want to see the anaconda eat people. Exactly. So you get the one guy who who's stung by a bee in his throat, and then even the one girl, the you know the good looking girl, she gets killed by John Voight's legs. <laughs> yeah, he snaps her neck, baby bird. Yeah, a moment of a ninja like athleticism of uh, this middle aged uh, man uh, leaping up. Well, this was the decade of the thigh master, and he was obviously <laughs> using that because that's the only way he could have done that. Yeah. Susan Sarandon, not Susan Sarandon, uh, Suzanne Summers was very proud at that moment. 
Yeah, I, I hated that that's how she got taken out, too. What I love, though, the first guy that gets killed, the Mateo guy, like when the snakes got him, it's not enough that it's squeezing the life out of him. It's got to reach up and break his neck with its mouth. Like it would know how to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah these you got to break their necks. <laughs> well, I like too, like when the snakes like wrap it around him, like it bites him in the shoulder and then doesn't bite him. And again, it's like, why did it bite him in the shoulder? It's, yeah, it's okay. not a poisonous snake. Yeah, you know, can, it's going to crush you. <laughs> yeah, and then can, after you're crushed, it's going to consume you. Yeah, I want to lay in here on some of my National Geographic knowledge real quick. When anaconda bite you, they don't let go. They bite so they can start wrapping around you, and they have like recurved teeth. So it's like getting stabbed with you know curved steak knives. It ain't coming yeah. out. <laughs> and that's why they bite you. They're not poisoning you. They're just holding on to you. But this one, like, it like lets go to get a better grip, and then it breaks his neck, which is really weird. <laughs> and then later on, when it's you know it, it kills the panther. Remember the animatronic panther that gets killed later on when Gary and and uh, Denise are you know fucking in the jungle, which is your again <laughs> great sanitation there, guys. But uh, th- they're getting it on, and the panther gets killed, and it pops the panther's eyeball out. I was like, well, yeah. that was supposed to be scary, I guess, but it's really bad. <laughs> so. I mean, again, this it's is how you. Girl, what girl is going to be down with that? Doing that in the jungle? I really what? and look, she they, they, they didn't even it. bring a blanket. They didn't yeah. bring a blanket. Yeah, wait a minute. She, and she initiates it. Can I just be yeah. Peter Griffin for a minute? You know, here, look, we all know that no woman wants to have sex with a man at any time, anywhere, especially in a jungle. And to titillate us with any other thoughts is just bogus. So <laughs> I mean, this is just ridiculous. So. If someone needed to say, can we can we get a tarp or something first while we're out here amongst this, like literally. Like you can't take a breath without getting some kind of disease when you're on the Amazon. Like everyone who set foot in that water, yeah. they're they're going to need a trip to the hospital once they get back to the mainland because it's the, as they point out several times. Like you can't even go into the water without something you know without some kind of bacteria crawling into you through your urethra, which is such a clunky line of dialogue. As there are many in this movie, they just flat out say things like that. Uh, like yeah, the screenplay written by the genius writers of of, a, of the <laughs> Of the uh, of of Top Gun, there are some lines in here that are man, they, they are just all time clunkers. Owen Wilson trying to convince them to go along with Saron. They're saying, you know, oh, but the snake's going out there, and he yells at, "Hey, look, you don't know shit about the shit we're in." <laughs> yeah. That's that's a big one. Hey, you know what? I actually will say this: Owen Wilson gives the same performance he's given for the last twenty years. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird. Like I was watching him in this; it's like he's literally not much different than his great performance in Midnight in Paris. He's playing the exact same guy that he plays in this and in any Wes Anderson it, movie. It, it could have just been the guy in Wedding Crashers again, yeah. too. I mean, that's that's really all he is. It's uh, yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah, the lines. I tell you, this movie would have been much better though if it would have been like Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller and all those guys you know <laughs> like you could have like ben stiller playing the sarone guy yeah you know, he's playing the john boy that would be good that would actually be really funny if he's doing like kind of like the whole tropic thunder oh no no there. then it would have needed to be downey jr doing the sarone thing and that would have been genius so, oh no you know who could have done it val kilmer that would have been awesome so because i think he would have known what he was in so yeah Oh, the thing is, I don't. Yeah, was he fat at this time or no? I know this. This skinny. was this was pretty fat. This was pretty fat, Val. So, yeah, he yeah. was. This was Batman era. Uh, Val yeah. Kim, so yeah, yeah. So this was that, that just explains why he wasn't in it. So yeah, so, yeah. but you know, no, they could have had. You know, again, if they could have just had someone, and I, I'm going to lay a lot of it on the director because I've never seen anything else he's ever done, and I understand he's worked quite extensively, mostly in production and things like that. But he's directed a few things. But if they had somebody that could have 
conveyed to this group what the point was. That had been something, but it goes all over the place. Like it wants to be campy, but then it tries to be really serious too. And it even gives the British guy like a moment of redemption. Like we're supposed to hate him because he's there for the body count, obviously. But in the end, we're supposed to feel bad that he, you know, he, he should be able to get away, but then that snake does shit that snakes can't do. So, Oh yeah, the, the director is one more of the people in this movie that are ta- like genuinely talented people, like the actors and the direct and the director of photography. He, he, Louis uh, Losa, definitely we're not saying his name right, but he made a little movie called Sniper in 1993 with Tom Berenger and uh, the great, the legend that is Billy Zane. Billy Zane. And it's, it's <laughs> and Sniper. Sniper is not a bad movie really at all. It's actually a perfectly. It's not a great movie, but it's uh, it's a good actor. Very yeah. It's yeah. It's a, it's a decent movie about the jungle and about a sniper about a team of a pair of snipers and it's not a bad movie and it's it's just like Tom Berenger in that movie probably has a better tone about him as the the sort of grizzled veteran of the jungle and he would have been probably better as uh as the the Saran character uh and so on like that's the thing cuz John Voight he's playing it, it's the contrast he's playing it campy while they're playing it straight if he was playing it straight like 100% like straight like where you where you maybe like this guy me Maybe you it would have been better, but it's just there's so much, much conflicting uh, tones in this movie. Like like you got the character of Owen Wilson, and then you got like the moment opening the movie where Danny Trejo, you know, to say so as to not even you know face the snake, he shoots himself in the head, which is uh, for some reason that just made me think that is a very '90s horror moment because we can't well, afford to show a, you the snake. He shoots himself after the snake uses his entire. Uh, force of its head to knock the nails right out of the boards. <laughs> go about six feet up in the air. I was right out of like Sasquatch and like the end of Jaws yep. and all that shit. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm like, why not shoot the snake? At least I'd get a couple rounds in it before I decided that one of those <laughs> was going to be for me. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd at least give it a shot. I know you just got a 32, but come on. You know, right, and this is definitely a point to bring up some of the bizarre filmmaking aspects in this movie one of them is denny trejo like watch the movie again he doesn't really say anything per se but listen to the voice that comes out of him in the sound design it is clearly redubbed because anyone who's seen denny trejo in any number of things machete breaking bad sons of anarchy whatever he has a very distinct grizzled uh you know voice and he's a he's actually a terrific character actor and they replaced him with this very high-pitched kind of voice and it's very bizarre to hear that voice come oh. out of denny trejo that's not the most bizarre voice. The most bizarre voice is the fact that the snake has a voice and, <laughs> and that it's done by veteran voice actor Frank Welker. Yeah. Uh, they got to do the voice of the snake all the, <laughs> you know, like has this breathing and all this crap. I'm like, I, you know, I, that's one of the things like people like to rip on the Jaws movies for that the shark roars and stuff and, and especially the later films. But why you needed the guy that is, you know, also the voice of, uh, you know, Transformers and lots of other things to provide a voice for the snake. I'll, I'll never understand. Well, it's, it would be awesome if he actually had the uh, Megatron voice from the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be that'd be. See, he's also Fred and Scooby Doo. That would even be better. So maybe he could have done Jabberjaw too while he was at it. But yeah, no, this is awful. I, uh, the well, I'm surprised the snake didn't say words. You know, like <laughs> especially when it's killing Saron because it seems to like take joy in killing him because it's squeezing him, squeezing him a little extra, then pops his jaw out of place and squeezes him a little extra, then another yeah. look at him, and then we get that great inside the snake shot like you were talking about, Nick. Uh, where we eat uh, John Boyd. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
just I know what I always wanted to see. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, and and another, and this is a this is an all time great content, whatever you want to call it, movie flub, continuity error, whatever it is. It first came up. I never heard about it until I was listening to a Kevin Smith podcast, Hollywood Babylon, and they they had this segment, shit that should not be, where they just talk about movie mistakes, like the stormtrooper hitting his head on the door in Star Wars, and they talk about Anaconda. <laughs> There's a shot. Uh, yeah, anyone who wants to look it up, go to uh, one hour, eleven minutes, and thirty seconds. You will see they they had they were. There's a boat approaching the waterfall, and five minutes later, we're supposed to be leaving the waterfall, but I guess they never filmed the shot of the boat leaving the waterfall. So they just took the shot of the boat coming into the waterfall and played it in reverse. And you can literally, they didn't do a good job of it. The waterfall is literally going up. <laughs> it's pouring up. And it's not just a quick flash. It's like a solid like three seconds of a waterfall <laughs> reversing gravity. And that's, that is an all-time horrible moment. They should, that should have been a, a shoe-in for Rad, the Razzie Award for Worst Director right there with that moment because that's I don't know how you let that, how do you let that slide. For 45 million bucks, <laughs> f- film everything you need. It's called coverage. Yeah, the, you figured the boat would have to leave the waterfall at some point, so why not just leave the camera there? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Can I, can I give my multiple snake theory real quick here? I just want to throw this out there. So, yeah, Kurt, you're, you're, you're dead wrong. It's, it's multiple snakes. <laughs> okay, so, so J-Lo and Ice Cube get into a fight with what I consider to be the main snake uh, of the film, but it's like the green and yellow one or whatever. But anyway, it, it pops its head up, you know, straight up Jaws style and gets Ice Cube, and then J-Lo gets a bolt-action Remington rifle. And fires it multiple times, having never pulled the trigger nor operated the bolt, which is great. And she shoots that snake at least six times. All right. And it drops dead in the water. Then they go inside the abandoned factory, whatever that is, where the, the gas is that they and Sarong meets them and catches them and catches the other snake. And that other snake is the one that kills Sarong, chases them, and that they blow up in the big uh, standpipe that then crashes down that then Ice Cube axes to death at the end of the movie. That's what I think. It's, it's There's at least two of these things. And I expected the third one to pop up in the last reel and you know uh, kill everybody along with the hidden tribe of the mist. So that's my multiple snake theory. I think there are multiple snakes. Nick, you, you agree with me? Oh, definitely. The snakes look different too. I mean, the one in the end is kind of red, has a little red trim to it. <laughs> and it's it's and it's bigger too. I yeah. mean, from everything you're kind of seeing, the snake's a lot bigger than the one in the beginning of the movie. So it's like Jaws 3. You got the baby and then the mom, right? Exactly, exactly. And then you got J-Lo's ass. That's the biggest <laughs> one. Well, of course, the snake is ever growing and shedding its skin as it gets larger and larger. So maybe it is the same. So that's my defense of it being the same snake. Or what happened whatever. to the bullet hole in the head, Kurt? <laughs> At the multiple 30 rounds, six rounds in the head. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, like, it's a graphic shot of the bloody snake head. It looks like something. Yeah. You know what it looked like? If you guys have ever seen Conan the Barbarian, when Conan has to kill the big pet snake that uh, James Earl Jones has. It looks exactly like that snake. And I, and and quite and about it's bloody too. And I thought, well, it's got to be there's got to be different snakes cuz uh, you know, they shot it to pieces. So, and how this was PG-13, I'll never understand by the way. Like there's a the level of violence in this film, like in the 90s especially, the MPAA was always, uh, you know, against violent films. I, I don't know how they got away with that. Yeah, there, this is pretty uh, the uh... 
pretty bloody. Little like literally the tracheotomy scene alone should have got the Menar rating. It's so and literally the the, the further damage of when when John Voight sticks his thumb into yeah. Well, Eric Schultz's neck and blood's gushing out. It's like that's that's and, that's like. A, we, how do you get over that knowing knowing that John Voight fingered you on film? <laughs> and, Mo, and, <laughs> and the snake also ate someone and spit it back up. Let, let's not let that go by. <laughs> Man, I, maybe they didn't watch it. Maybe they fell asleep. So <laughs> I don't know. It didn't want it didn't want to swallow John Voight. It spit him out. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, he was too salty. So. <laughs> We saw yep. what happened last time. You yeah. created uh, Jennifer, or you created Angelina Jolie. <laughs> it's not <laughs> happening again. No. And of course, what I love is the, the movie monster logic of this is a snake that you know that takes pleasure, has the the knowledge and the mental ability to take pleasure in you know in, in devouring John Voight, but doesn't have the knowledge or intuition at all to when it's on fire <laughs> to simply dunk itself into the water a brief moment. Instead, it's stand a snake is standing is is using a lot of uh, probably you know uh, uh, exerting itself a lot to stay above the water while it's on fire and burns up to the point where it then eventually just you know passes out and sinks into the water but it really struck me as a as a very stupid snake oh well, it was it's just like jaws too where it bites the electrical cord and just hangs yeah. on and turns into a you know a fried shark. No, this is this is just like the what's what's the, what's the animal cruise at Disney World the uh, jungle jungle cruise this, yeah. is, this is what it's like the way like the snakes are acting like especially when the one got shot <laughs> how it just like kind of slowly goes down you yeah. can just tell it's got like some hydraulics are just kind of <laughs> slowly bringing it down you could probably just see like you know if you actually you know probably in the movie you probably pause you could probably still see like the t- top of the head just kind of s- a little bit above the water yeah you know it's right where it's set down and same with the snake at the end like it is how fake and bad it looks i mean People like to rip on Jaws about how, you know, stupid the shark looks. And shit, man, that's like, you know, freaking Dawn of the Planet of the Apes in comparison. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like 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 I said, as a monster, as a creature, a design, it's just, just, just terrible. I mean, like the shark in Jaws, like, like people do not good. But I still watch that movie because of the way Spielberg shoots it and the way the characters react, the way it's filmed. I buy it all the way. I find it. Like, the shark is just uh, genuinely frightening to me. And like I was thinking about this. The movie Cabin in the Woods, there's a there's a, a snake that appears. It's in the movie for about 12 seconds. The 12 seconds of that, of that giant snake has more impact and it's scarier and there's more character and feeling in that snake than the entirety of the anaconda in this movie. It's just a terrible design. I mean, uh, I don't know whether it would ever have been been able to be uh, make this a good creature effect the transition between cg and the puppet it's like it's that bad 90s cg in a year of movie of a movie like titanic which has some which has some pretty decent cg involved just and, and then to watch this it's just 45 million bucks for some of the worst effects just man but money well spent well, apparently well my question is that they could have i mean they couldn't totally made this like a really funny b movie and i think the direction they should have went with this is when they're trying to find these Find this like Native American, you know, these uh, this hidden tribe. The tribe should have like sick these anacondas at them, you know. Yeah, like, it should have been like, you know, like they were like some type of witch doctor who like put a curse on the crew for like disrupting them, or maybe like the crew accidentally kills like a child in that village or something like that. And they put like this curse on them, and these anacondas are going after them the entire time. And then, of course, you end the movie with them killing the anaconda, 
but there's more coming at him at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like something like that. That's how they should have totally went with this movie. Yeah, make it a good monster picture and leave us hanging like those of the 50s and 60s would do. I'm with you. Yeah, let's let's make this. This is campy shit anyway. Let's make it that way. And you know what that means? Let's not have any CGI. Let's just use the bad animatronic snake because then it's fun. And then it's funny because then it doesn't take itself seriously. But these people actually thought they were making a for real horror movie. And that's the funny part of this to me. Is that they I think they should have done with a yeah. giant sock puppet. <laughs> How awesome would that have been? Like, you know, like J-Lo's in the boat and the thing breaks through the glass. And it's just like <laughs> someone's opening up their hand like a sock. With the googly eyes. Yes, it's <laughs> That would have been... That would have been perfect. I, I demand a fan reshoot with that as the Anaconda. I think it would be great. All right. Well, guys, I think we're definitely beyond the point of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Anaconda, Kurt? Well, uh, in case it's not clear, I'm not a fan of this movie. Uh, I'm not a horror guy. I'm not into cheap crap. I don't enjoy bad movies. And this is a it's a cheap crap B movie. And those can be good those can be great i mean look at evil dead 2 that movie cost 50 bucks and it's amazing <laughs> but but anaconda uh i didn't have any fun with it i just thought it sucked uh, i think either that year or the next year uh deep rising came out and i think that i'd say is a fun aquatic uh b movie that was you know stupid as hell but i thought it was very fun anaconda sure. this this just sucks and roger ebert he gave this thing three and a half stars out of four and he also, and also, just going back, he gave Blue Velvet and Clockwork Orange two stars. So I want whatever he was on. <laughs> so Anaconda, it gets a small popcorn for me, like a couple kernels sitting at, at the bottom of the bag for that moment when when uh, John Voight uh, winks. But but that's about it. All right, Nick. Um, this movie is a large popcorn for me. It's uh, <laughs> <What>? yes. <laughs> what about the last fifty-five minutes? Says this is a large popcorn. <laughs> It is a large popcorn, though, and it's exactly for those reasons, because, you know, if you listen to the opening of the cast, it's so good, it's so bad, it's so good, it's so bad that, you know, you could go back and forth the entire time. Okay, well, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the movie, okay? Giant ass, <laughs> giant snake, and John Voight. And Eric Stoltz, don't forget that. Oh, no one likes Eric Stoltz. Even Eric Stoltz's mom doesn't like Eric Stoltz. <laughs> he he so. jumps on a bug and they throw him to the side just like Robert Zemeckis did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was less shaky of a performance than Michael J. Fox would have gave. But, um... Oh, God, no. We're all going to hell for that. but back to, but back to my point, though, it's, it's, it's a fun, you know, it's one of these movies that you're going to put on, like, Saturday when you're vacuuming. And like halfway through, like you're gonna start pretending that the the vacuum hose is actually a snake, and you're gonna start fighting with it, just like you know, like Ice Ice Cube was doing. So, like what other Mr. movie Mom. can you do that? It is. It's it, what other movie can you do that with? You know what I mean? It's like it's it's totally an awesome movie in that regard. I mean, this isn't a movie that you're gonna sit down and you know take seriously. But if you want a movie that you can wrestle with the vacuum cleaner with, you know, Anaconda is a pretty good choice. You know, when I was in college, I was in a rock and roll band and I wrote a song called Electrolux because it was about a relationship that sucked. And that's the same thing I can say about this movie. The only thing it's got in, <laughs> in common with a vacuum cleaner is it completely sucks. Now, 
there's about 30 minutes of it that's really fun, and I will say that, but this goes on way too long for me to give it any kind of a pass at all beyond small popcorn. It's like, I'll tell you what kind of small popcorn this is. It's the kind of small popcorn you get at, like, the ball game, you know? It's instead of being really buttery, it's uber salty, and you're like, that's really good. And if you would just leave it to that one bag, you'd be okay. But no, you go back for a second one, and then you're like, oh, this is actually really awful, and your cholesterol hates you for it. And that's this movie. It, my brain turns on me because of how dumb this is. <laughs> Folks, thanks for joining us on this latest episode of Film Strip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. That's where you'll find links to all the feeds where you can find the show Google, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're out there. Please subscribe and leave us a positive review and share the show on your social media. We'd appreciate it. You can also follow the show's social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Filmstrip Podcast on Facebook. We appreciate the support. Until next time, for Nick and Kurt, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.